0: And our scripture reference is John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 10 life to the full. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Here we have a dividing line between the will of God and the will of our adversary. God wants us to have life to the full, the enemy wants to steal kill and destroy he's not on the same page is he absolutely not jesus came to give us something that's impossible for us to have apart from him apart from him we cannot have life to the full i'm not saying you can't have a good life on earth many people do they could be prosperous have a wonderful house to live in car to drive a good job and financial security and all that that's great But man is not a one-part being. Man is a tripart being. Spirit, soul, and body. And when Jesus talks about life to the full, he is talking about the very presence, power, and glory of the living God manifesting itself within the spirit of a man, the soul of a man, and the body of a man. His spirit just overflowing with the presence, the power, the glory, the nature, the character of the living God. That spills over into his soul, that affects the way he thinks, his mind, his will, his emotions, and his intellect. Just flooded with and overflowing with the very life and nature and ability of God. Thinking the thoughts of God. And those thoughts affecting his attitude, behavior, conduct, and character. And then the physical part of man, of course, this outward man, designed by God, created by God, really special in the eyes of god because on the day that jesus comes again in clouds of glory the graves are going to open the dead in christ are going to rise and the body that they once lived in is going to be once again resurrected and raised up all the dna all the ashes doesn't matter will once again come together and be glorified and that spirit and soul will go back into that body in a glorified state and live and reign with him forever but while we're on this earth i believe the earnest of our inheritance is this The Holy Ghost lives in us to quicken our mortal bodies with life and health. Paul said it this way. I want the resurrected life of Christ to manifest in my mortal body. If that's at all possible. That's what he wants. That's a high lofty goal, wouldn't you say? That that resurrection life manifests within the spirit, through the soul, renewing the mind, affecting our emotions, and then finally lodging itself, manifesting in our physical bodies. Giving them life and health. Powerful. Well, that's life to the full. But our enemy wants just the opposite of that. He wants to bring destruction to our spiritual condition, our emotional condition, and our physical condition. He can't stand us. He hates all three parts of man. I'll tell you what. You know why he hates your physical body? It keeps you here on earth. And you wreak havoc with his kingdom. And he doesn't like that. That's why he doesn't like your physical body. He wants to get rid of it. But let's start on the inward part of man. If you're not born again, he doesn't want you to get born again. Doesn't want you to have the resurrected life of God on the inside of you. His, God's life, his nature, his character affecting your life. Doesn't want that. He will do anything he can to weaken our spiritual condition to prevent that from happening or occurring in our lives. Secondly, emotionally, mentally... He doesn't want our minds renewed to the word of God. He doesn't want the resurrected life of Christ manifesting in the way we think. No, he wants us to be overwhelmed and succumb to, let's say, frailty in our thinking. To think wrong. So that we can be, once again, overcome and overwhelmed by whatever he brings our way. The physical body can't stand it. It Wants to destroy it, torture it, enter into it bring sickness, bring disease. So when it comes to our spiritual condition, he wants death to lodge there. When it comes to our mental condition, he wants us to be overwhelmed and mostly destroyed. And then physically, same thing is true. He has no good plan for any of our lives. He wants us physically destroyed as well. Paul addressed this. Look at Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. We face many challenges as we live our lives in this earth. We know his relentless attacks can cause us to become weary in well-doing and also cause us to faint in our minds. Let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap. Notice the big word, if, if we faint not. Reaping is a possibility if we faint not. He wants us to give up, to cave in, to lose heart, to faint, to throw in the towel. Whether it's a prayer directive or whether it's just believing God for a miracle, whatever it might be, he wants us to faint in our minds because he knows if we faint in our minds, if we lose heart and become discouraged, then we'll step out of the realm of faith into the realm of our emotions and they'll control our lives or he'll control our lives through our fallen emotions. Look at the book of Hebrews in chapter 12 and verse 3. What the writer says, I believe it was Paul, but it doesn't matter. It's written. For consider him. Now he's talking about in the first two verses that we all have a cloud of witnesses around us, watching us, observing us, maybe not physically seeing us, but up there cheering us on as we run our race with faith and patience. So we consider him, that is Jesus, who endured such contradictions of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint. Where? Where? in your mind or in our thinking or in our emotions we can become weary and we can faint in our minds and he knows if we faint in our minds he's got us where he wants us that's exactly what happened in the Eve in the very beginning and the list goes on and on as he causes people to fall by suggesting wrong thoughts injecting them into their minds Give no place to the devil, no entry point to the devil. Don't allow him to enter in. Cast down those thoughts and imaginations that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, we're told. Bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So don't let him infiltrate our mind like he wants to. All right. In the book of Isaiah chapter 40, we believe that God wants us to be whole. He wants wholeness in every department of our being. Be it spirit, soul, or body. And from there it goes on. But he wants us to experience wellness, wholeness. He wants us to walk in the fullness of life. That's what he came to die for. That's what he came to give us. In the book of Isaiah chapter 40, beginning at verse 28, here's what it says. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not. Can you ever see God just going, oh, I'm about to faint. This is too hard. No, he'll never do that. He doesn't faint. Nothing phases him. Neither is weary. He doesn't become weary in his thinking. He doesn't faint in his mind. There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. What is the key here? It's certainly not age. Is it? Age has nothing to do with it. What did he say? Even the young men shall become weary. And the young men shall faint. It's not physical strength. It's not muscular strength. It's not even intelligence. What is it? It's the strength of God. It's the power of God. It's the might of God. And when people wait upon the Lord, they renew their strength. They're up with wings as eagles. They run. They, they're not weary. They walk and they don't faint. Praise God. Well, before we get to that, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. When we talk about fainting, it means to lose strength. Remember, Peter said it this way, gird up the loins of your mind, prepare your mental faculties and powers to make right choices and decisions. Don't let your emotions control you. David says, be weaned from our emotions. Don't allow them to dictate to our behavior, our conduct, our character, and our attitude. Not saying that it's easy for any of us, but it's something that we all need to do. And the best way to do it is to let the power of God take over it. And not try to just control it ourselves. Let the power of God rise up big within us. Enabling us praise God to make right choices and decisions. But look at this verse. But I fear lest somehow. As the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. So your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. The enemy wants to set us up and position us for failure and defeat. How does he do it? By corrupting our minds With things that contradict the word of almighty God. To whisper in our ears suggestions and suggestive thoughts. That go against what the word of God teaches. About ourselves, about our situation, about our circumstances. And the list goes on and on. Why? To corrupt the way we think. Because he knows if he can deceive us in the way we think. He can control our lives. Well, it's up to us to recognize this. And cast down the thoughts and imaginations that contradict The word of God. He wants us to have life to the full. God does. The enemy wants to destroy us. And give us the lowest quality of life possible in spirit, soul, and body. Well, how are we going to get to the place where we position ourselves to experience and walk in the fullness of the life that Jesus suffered and died for us to have? Isaiah just said it. They that wait upon the Lord. Waiting upon the Lord. How do we wait upon the Lord? We get into the word of God. We feast upon the word of God. We feed upon the word of God. We pour over the word of God. We meditate the word of God. We worship God. We intermingle with God. We're intermingling with him. And as a result, praise God, a closeness is developed in our lives spiritually. That spills over to our mental faculties and emotional state. And then affects us finally physically in our lives. And as we wait upon the Lord, we renew our strength, praise God. It's renewed strength that comes not within ourselves, but from his throne. And then rises up big on the inside of us because that's where he lives. Thank God for the power that's on the inside of us from within, praise God. He can do great and mighty things when we yield to it. Well... It's up to us to feed upon the word of God. It's up to us to worship him. It's up to us to interact with him so that it's more of him and less of us. And then look at this next verse in Job 22 and 28. We get to a place that we are so consumed with the word of God that it abides in us in such a way, thou shalt also decree a thing and it shall be established unto thee. And the light shall shine upon thy ways. In other words, it's not just the scripture we quote. It's a reality that we live out. We decree that we are who the word of God says we are. We declare that we have what the word of God says we have. Do you have the greater one living in you? You establish the will of God by declaring and decreeing it to be true in your life. No matter what you think or what you feel. No matter what circumstances say, you are what the word of God says you are. What he made us. We talked about Sunday being his masterpiece. His work of outstanding quality, skill, artistry, and workmanship. That's who we are. You say, I don't feel that way. doesn't matter how we feel. What matters is what it says in the word of God about who we are. We are his masterpiece. His life is on the inside of us. His glory, praise God, is in our innermost being. We are the temple of the most high God. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. We declare and we decree that we are the sons. Now are we the sons of almighty God. It doesn't yet appear what we shall be, but we know this. When we shall see him, we shall be like him. Because as he is, so are we in this world hallelujah that's what the word of god says we are we have all things that pertain to life and godliness we declare it we decree it until it becomes a reality we say it over and over again we declare our faith we proclaim it i have all things that pertain to life and godliness and father i thank you for the reality of that as i proclaim it to be true in my life under this this here topic here where i have receptacles i want you to notice the two words i can And I can't. And I want you to see the word can like a receptacle. Like a can. Like a wastebasket or something. Or a garbage can. I can. I can and I can't. Under I can, it's a receptacle. I can is a receptacle for life. In the book of Philippians 4.13, we know the scripture very well. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? Okay. Notice the word I. I is personal. Say with me, I. Can. Okay, what is can? It's positive. I can. I can do. It's practical. It's something I can do. All things, it's pervasive. All things means all things. It's pervasive. Through Christ, it's providential. Who strengthens me? It's powerful. So say it with me again. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. See, he's the strength of our life. We're not doing it in our own strength, our own ability, our own power, our own intellect, our own intelligence. We are doing it in the might and power of his strength. The key here is through Christ which strengthens me. Which, another translation says, infuses In our innermost being, his mighty power. Hallelujah. I like that, don't you? There's an infusion of his mighty power within our innermost being when we call upon his name. I'm calling upon your name. I'm not trusting in myself. I'm not trusting in chariots. I'm not trusting in horses. I remember the name of the Lord my God. I call upon that name right now and I thank you for the power of your might to manifest in my innermost being to strengthen me. With the strength of God. So I can walk out. The fullness of life. In every department of my being. This mindset. You see. Is a mindset of life. We decree what the word of God says. We say all things are possible. Because of him. Living on the inside of us. And we become a receptacle for life. It's a mentality that says. It's possible. In Christ. All things are possible to him that believes. And so we believe. But then secondly, notice the I can't mentality. I can't, that's a receptacle for death. I can't is really a garbage can mentality. It's when we open up our lives as a receptacle to the garbage that the enemy tries to spew our way. You can't do it. Look at Numbers chapter 13. You can't do this. You're too weak. You're too small. You're not strong enough. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. And the list goes on. But here's the mentality. But the men that went up with him said, this is the men spying out the promised land. We be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel saying... The land through which we have gone to search, it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. So here we see they have a garbage can mentality. A we can't mentality. A receptacle of death and destruction. How does he come to steal, kill, and destroy? By injecting thoughts like that into a person's mind. We're too small. We're too weak. We're like grasshoppers. We can't do it. They're too big. They're too strong. The situation is like a mountain that's insurmountable rather than a window of of opportunity to let God work on our behalf. And so our whole sight, the things that we see and think are wrong. We don't see it the way the scriptures tell us. We see it the way we see it. It's almost like a David before a Goliath who's hearing Goliath just say, I'm bigger than you. I'm stronger than you. I'm more powerful than you are. There's no possible way. I'm more skilled than you are that you can defeat me. And David says, are you done talking yet? Are you done talking yet? Because listen to this. You came at me with all your weaponry. I'm coming at you in the name of the Lord of hosts who will this day deliver you into my hands. And I will cut off your head and feed your carcass to the fowls of the air. Period. What a difference. See, David had an I can mentality. He was a receptacle for life. But these other men, they were garbage can receptacles, a receptacle for death, and gave right into the hand of the enemy. We can't do it. It's impossible. With God, all things are possible. Our next section. We're talking about thoughts to consider from a scripture verse that I absolutely embrace and just love. If this doesn't tell it all and say it all, I don't know what does. It's a description of our God, the God that we serve. It's, as I said earlier, feeding on the word of God, feasting on the word of God, meditating on the word of God, and just embracing the truths until they become realities in our lives. And if we can see this comparison, it'll make a whole lot of sense. Let's look at the verse, first of all, in Psalm 84 and verse 11. For the Lord our God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. This is a power-packed verse of Scripture. Okay, he is, the Lord our God is a sun. Sun. What does the sun do? It's a ball of gas up there in the sky. We understand that. But what does it do? It gives off from itself rays, light, light. Energy that produces and sustains life here upon the earth. It provides warmth and so many other things. Think about this. I've been in situations where I sat at many ball games with my children growing up. Outdoors. In football stadiums and so on. And some evenings, it was cool. In the shade. And so you stepped over into where the sun was. And oh, what a difference. You felt those rays of the sun. They were so warm and they felt so good. Then a cloud came over and you went, hmm. And then you get chilled once again. But then the moment the cloud is passed, what happens? You feel the rays. You feel the warmth. and It feels just so wonderful and so good. If it just stays that way, you know we'll be okay. Let me ask you a question here. Did the sun change anything? It remained constant, didn't it? It did its thing constantly and continuously, pouring itself out, giving off what it gives. There is no change in the sun. There might be a cloud that comes by and comes between us and the sun, and then it's cooler, but the sun didn't change. The sun didn't do anything. It's the same. Our God is constantly the same, He never changes. He's a sun. And as a son, he gives off anything and everything necessary to provide, to produce, and sustain human life upon this earth. That's who he is. So let's mark that down as number one. Let's meditate that for a while. God, If I'm not standing in the sunlight of his love, it's not his fault. There are many things that will cloud that reality, but it's up to us to Push away the clouds. It could be kicking over sacred cows, getting them out of the way, the way I think, the way I believe, and just stepping them aside, removing them from our lives and our mentality and the way we think, and step back over here into the sunlight of his love. Like, if it be his will, he'll answer our prayer. No, if he spoke it, it is his will. Get rid of that. Kick over that sacred cow. Don't think that way. Think this way. My, my God is a son. He doesn't change. He's constant. He's always pouring out life, light, energy, love, life. And the list goes on and on. But now secondly, he's also what? A shield. Remember he said to Abraham, I am your shield and buckler and exceeding great reward. What does a shield do? It protects from the blows of the enemy. It stops the blow. It stops the attack of the enemy. You hold up the shield to protect yourself. But what is he saying? I will fight for you, I will defend you, I'll be there for you, I have got your back. Can you imagine that? God has our back. He fights for us, he defends us, he shields us from the things we need to be shielded from. But that's the mentality that we have to have. Remember in the days of Jehoshaphat, he said, You don't have to fight in this battle. The battle's the Lord's, not yours. You just get out there and start singing praises to Almighty God. And say he's good. His mercies endure forever. And watch him have your back. Watch him confound the enemy. Watch him defend you and protect you. And that's exactly what he did. He's a son. He's a shield. Son who gives off everything we need for life. And a shield to protect us from anything and everything that comes to take away that life. But then He gives. He gives. The next thing it says, he gives. And you can't use that word give without going to the book of James, chapter 1, verses 5 through 7 and verse 17. And if you can't add verse 16, Paul, with 17, that'll be okay. If, if, it's, if it's a problem, don't, know, don't concern yourself with it. I'll quote it. Okay, here it is. James, chapter 1, verse 5. I'm talking about he gives. He's a son. He's a shield. And what does he do? He gives. Constantly gives, just like the son does. If any of you will ask wisdom... Let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavers is like the wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now go on down to verse either 16 and 17 or 17. Verse 16. Do not err or be deceived, my beloved brethren. And verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God gives as the Son gives continually. He gives liberally, bountifully, generously, and abundantly. And there is a continuous, a continuous flow of everything that is good. That comes down from above, from heaven, to meet the needs of mankind. God, in other words, is constantly pouring himself out in ways that provide for people upon this planet. He is not withholding anything. He is constantly giving of himself. And it's coming down from above and there's no shadow of turning whatsoever. So anyone that says, well, it might not be. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. What do you mean it might? Maybe. Can't. No, no. Does the sun change? Does the cloud mean that the sun's not doing its thing? Constantly pouring itself out. Constantly giving. And so is our God. Constantly. Even though our minds might be clouded because of the challenge. And because of what we're going through. Because the enemy trying to distort our view of things. It doesn't matter. God is constantly pouring out from heaven. Good things from above. That bless us. And help us, equip us, provide for us, deliver us, protect us, empower us, enable us. And the list goes on and on and on. And it positions us to be completely well and whole in spirit, soul, and body. What does he give? I love these two. He gives grace and glory. I thought about that. What's grace? Grace. The power of his operation. His operational power. What is glory? His presence. He, what is he given? Himself. His grace. His ability to save. Saving grace. Healing grace. Delivering grace. Protecting grace. Providing grace. All the grace that we need. He provides. He gives constantly. But he gives glory. Glory is himself. He shows up on the scene. Don't you love that? When God showed up. Praise God on the scene. I remember the story and I know some people think these are far-fetched stories but you know they they they're not all far-fetched even though they may sound that way. But this one professor was one of those atheists that was so against God that anyone in his class that mentioned God, he was all over their case. And this one bold Christian, he knew Would always talk about God. And this atheist professor was all over his case every time. And said to him. Bring him so I can see him. I want to see him. You believe in him. You believe in someone you can't see. You're ridiculous. And he humiliated this fellow constantly. One day there was a knock on his classroom door. When he opened up the glory of God was there. And the man fell over dead. He wanted God to show up. He wanted to see him. He did. How about that? Think about it. God is wish, God is desire. Now you wonder where he's at right now, but God gives grace and glory, his power and his presence to those who will just believe this is our god look at the next he gives what good things no good thing what's a good thing well since you asked acts 10 verse 38 tells us one of the good things that he gives what does he give how god anointed jesus of nazareth with the holy ghost and with power who went about doing what And doing what? Healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Is healing a good thing? Healing is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a great thing. It's something that we absolutely need. It's essential to our own physical makeup and well-being. But it's a good thing. Look at Acts chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. The man was healed at the gate of the temple called beautiful and Of course, they were arrested for doing such a good deed or thing. Then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost said to to them, You rulers of, of people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he's made what? He wants us to have wholeness of life, fullness of life, right? Be it known unto all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, can you imagine all these Jewish people hearing that? Whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you. What? Whole. How, how did he get whole? By this name that you detest. By this name that you despise. By the one that you crucified, by his name does this man that you know stand whole. Right in front of your eyes. And guess what? He's the same. He's like the sun. Continuously pouring himself out. Doing what? Good things not withholding anything that's good so guess what he's not withholding our healing he's not withholding our deliverance he's not withholding any good thing that we need people think that he does but he's not i'll be honest with you if we're truly honest with ourselves it's up to us to muster up the faith that is necessary to receive it because he said he won't withhold it but you got to receive it by faith isn't that what james said Ask in faith or don't think you're going to get anything from God. God's already poured it out. So you see, we've got to walk out from beneath the cloud of doubt and unbelief and step into the sun by faith and receive what God has poured out already and given to us already. Okay. Now notice the next. Mark's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 1. Healing is a good thing. And he entered again into the synagogue And there was a man there which had a withered hand, and they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, stand forth. And he said unto them, is it lawful to do, what, good on the Sabbath days, or to do evil, to save life, or to kill? But they held their peace. They're not going to respond to that at all. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And the Pharisees went forth, and straightway got together with others to have a party for the man who was healed. Took counsel with the Herodians against him, How they might destroy him for healing a man with a withered hand. Isn't that sad? They exalted their religion above the reality of God's compassion, mercy, and healing virtues and powers. Here's the point. God's not withholding anything that we need to succeed. Anything. Nothing. Whatever's not working... Get out from the cloud of doubt. Get out into the sunlight of his love. And allow him. He's already given it. But let those rays affect your life. By receiving it. I receive what I need. Whether it's help. Deliverance. Wholeness. Healing. Whatever. Now hold. No good thing will he withhold. This means he doesn't hold back. Whatever is due us. Whatever he has promised us. He's not holding back. any. Good thing. Not, nothing at all. And look at the verse. In Romans 8.32. You should have this memorized. What a fabulous scripture. What a wonderful scripture here. He that spared not his only son. But delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him. Also freely. Give us. All. Things. You understand his argument, his point that he's making here? If he was going to withhold anything, it would have been Jesus. So he wouldn't have to die the horrific death that he died. Since he did not withhold Jesus, he will not withhold anything, any good thing from any of us. God is not withholding our taxes. The government is. He doesn't withhold anything from us. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's given us the keys to the kingdom. He's given us the kingdom of God. He's poured himself out. Beloved, let me tell you right now. There is nothing new under the sun. From the day that Jesus rose again from the dead. And the day of Pentecost when the spirit of God descended upon mankind. And filled the people of God with Holy Ghost power and fire. Nothing has changed whatsoever. Only man's awareness of it. Only man's cooperating with God to to experience it. That is what has to change. When man gets under the cloud of doubt, unbelief, religious tradition, traditions of men, doctrines of devils and all that, what is he doing? He is distancing himself from the glorious power of God provided for us so that we can have a full life in spirit, soul, and body. But when we get educated in the Word of God, we realize what God's Word teaches us and we know that it's already been poured out and given, Don't be deceived, James says. You think God's your problem here? You think he's creating these situations, these trials, tribulations, and all that? It is not God. You're an heir. Only good and perfect gifts come from above. And there's no shadow of turning with him in any way. Get out from beneath all that doubt and unbelief and deception and get over here and start realizing, hey, you're a son and shield. You give grace and glory. You're not withholding anything from me, Lord. Forgive me for even thinking that. But now notice the latter part of the verse. From those who walk uprightly. Those who walk uprightly. There is a part that we have to play in it. Look at the book of Psalms chapter 1. That means we walk in love. We walk in faith. Or we live by faith. We walk in love. We live by faith. And also we're led by the Spirit of God. But now notice here. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. He's talking about walking uprightly. So don't listen to the godly of the un, or the or counsel of the ungodly. Don't stand in the way of a sinner. Don't sit in the seat of a scornful. Where you walk, sit, and stand. But your delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, though it's his word and his love. Do you meditate day and night? You'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You'll bring forth your fruit and your season. Your leaf will not wither. And whatever you do will what? <clears throat> Prosper. You'll prosper. So here he's telling us, if we walk in love and live by faith and led by the Spirit of God and refuse to walk in the counsel of anything that contradicts this word of God, we're going to make our way prosperous. We're going to bear fruit. We're going to have great success. But it's up to us to do our part. God's not withholding anything from any of us. In conclusion, great scripture, Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. Let's read it. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence. And the violent take it by sitting back and relaxing and just doing nothing. Now, by just hoping and praying that someday God might move again. By calling their friends and asking them to do something for them. How do the violent take it? by force what does that mean if you got to take it by force there's some opposition there's something or someone holding back what is rightfully yours you think the devil's just going to run because you said run you think he's going to let go because you said let go not going to do it but when you say to him By the authority of the name of the Son of the living God, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, pack your bags, get off my property, no trespassing, leave me alone. Go in Jesus' name. He has no choice. No choice. I'm reminded of the pastor who had another minister come and minister in his church. And when he got done ministering, he said, what was it like ministering in my pulpit? He said, oh, my goodness, it was tough. It was like plowing up against a stump. You know that expression? Did you ever try to use your shovel when you hit nothing but shale? You hurt your foot, and you're like, oh, my goodness. It's not going anywhere. Then you've got to get out your pick and get the rocks out and then try again he said it was like plowing up against a stump it was so hard for me to preach in your church what's the deal here he said i don't know i feel the same way i'm gonna wait on the lord and see what i need to do and so the fellow went he was an evangelist a year later i think he came back to the church and he preached again he said did you see any difference preaching in my church now he said oh yeah what a huge difference Everybody was receptive. There was a flow of the Spirit. There was a moving of God. It was just like they were just pulling it out of me. What happened? He said, well, I got on my knees and I got into the sanctuary and I began to pray. And he said, "Um, as I was praying and fasting and waiting on God, I just happened to look up. And I saw in the rafters of the church a demon up there in the rafters. Sometimes they look like imps figures he said i looked up there and saw that thing you get down here in the name of jesus he said and he looked at me and said i don't want to but if you say i have to i will i'm telling you to get down in the name of jesus he came down stood right in front of him right by the altar he said i'm telling you in the name of jesus to get off the property he said i want to but if you tell me then i have to i'm telling you in the name of jesus get out of here and by the way, when you get out of here, don't stop. Keep on going. In the name of Jesus. And he whimpered, he said, and ran out the door. He followed him to the door and he looked outside the door and he ran down the street and he saw him go into the beer garden down the street. And the next day it was burned down. It truly, it's a true story. It was burned down. He said from that moment on, there was such a release and a relief in the sanctuary among the people. You see that, imp, that demonic influence and force. Was up there trying to control things within that body. We're in a spiritual warfare. You realize that. And if we are unaware of that. We don't understand that. You can give place to it. And it will create a lot of havoc. Within a church. Within a body. Within a family. Within you know, people's lives. Well. Praise God. He got to the point where he. Knew what to do about it. He had that revelation which is called discerning his spirits. He used the power of the name of Jesus and gave a command. And that demon had to obey. So look at Luke's gospel chapter 17 and verse 6. God wants us to become aggressive. And not settle for mediocrity. He wants us to see to it. That we take by force what belongs to us in Christ. The provision has been made. Don't be duped or deceived by the devil into thinking that God's withholding something from us. Man, get tough. Rise up and do exactly what this verse says. And the Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say to this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Thou shalt decree a thing, and it shall be established. Devil, down from the rafters. Devil, off the church property. Devil, get off, away completely. Give a command. Take it by force. You see, we can't settle for mediocrity. We can't settle for just saying, well, we're barely getting along. At least we're still making it. What belongs to us belongs to us, and it took Jesus' blood, sweat, and tears for us to have it. And he wants us to rise up to a place that we start saying, I want the fullness of life in spirit, in soul, in body. In everything that my life touches or touches my life, I want the fullness of what God has provided for me. So in other words, let's rise up as we usher into this upcoming year, this new year, 2020. I'm not going to give the cliche. Rise up, take what is ours by the force of faith. Walk in love, be led by the Spirit, do what we know to do, and expect God to continue giving of himself as he already has and doesn't change everything that pertains to life and godliness in reality in our lives and ministry. Can you say amen? Let's all stand together before the Lord.